quick disclaimer for this week's episode on the extra lore. To help with the information of this episode, please note that we have an extensive summary over on www.focusfirechat.com for you to read along with our conversation from tonight. Thank you. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for the 16th installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on July 12th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is a further exploration of the Halo series. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who um, who has actually played some of tonight's game, Justin Sane 0516 Justin, what are your thoughts on the topic tonight? What was that? Was that like a hint of sarcasm? In no, your... not at all. Not at all. The, trying to say that I usually haven't played some of the game. Hmm. I'm going to log that, <laughs> and then we're going to move on. Uh, yes, I have played some of this game. In fact, this game, you wouldn't even know me, Blue, if it weren't for this game. This is true. I mean, I know that you I... love Super Fiesta, but... No, it's anything but. <laughs> no, it is literally anything but. I just love the. Mm, no, there's so much. There was so much censoring going on in that response. Calling that game type Super Fiesta is like calling a trip to your proctologist Casual Friday. It's a contradiction in terms that has not that has not been rectified. Um. Yeah. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mel, Mel is working while we're still here playing around. So be sure to let her know that we miss her over on Twitter at the Wind of the Stars. We also have our resident Gunter Extraordinaire, Green Eye Music Lover, Green. Hope you're ready for the shenanigans. What are your thoughts on the topic tonight? I have actually read more of the books than I've played the games. Quite honestly, so I'm interested in getting kind of the game or thrown into the, what I know of the book so I'm coming from a very weird place because literally the only time I played ODST I played Halo 4 but I've never finished anything after as far as story goes so it's going to be interesting to see what's going on cool 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 and then of course for these topics and particularly this topic we always want to make sure we have someone who is well versed in the lore so with all that being said i want to welcome back pins halo pins how's everything going for you tonight uh, going pretty good thanks for having me yep of course uh like i like i was saying before it's it's not what we know about the series on this one that's who we know uh <laughs> So can you let us know let us know where people can find you and then give us a brief rundown on what got you into the Halo series. Okay. Well, um you can find me on Twitter at Pens Halo. Or I let me rephrase it. Pens underscore Halo. Uh actually. Um I'm on Twitch as Pens Halo as well. Uh same on Mixer. As for <clears throat> how I got into Halo, um I actually played Halo on PC when uh, Combat Evolved first came out. Uh, but I didn't pick it back up again until my one gaming PC died, and I went and bought an Xbox and got familiarized again with the uh, with the games and started reading the books. Uh, this was just before Halo Reach came out. Uh, 
And uh, <clears throat> first time I picked up uh, Halo the Fall of Reach, which is the greatest novel in all of the Halo novels to me, I was hooked. Um, Halo is, to me, what Star Wars is to some people. Um, so, yeah. That's a, t- that's a, that's a tall, that's- tall bill. No, no, that's not a tall bill. I was actually explaining that to someone the other day. I said, have you ever, is there a piece of music for you that's just like iconic? And when you hear it, like you're, you just, you get ready to just go. And they're like, oh, the Star Wars music, music. And I was like, yeah, that's some good music. But, but when I hear just, I just, I lose my S. So yeah. It's super the, 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 too. The, I yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. The monks, are, of course, are <clears throat> probably the most recognizable. Oh yeah, the Although, Gregorian chant in the menus. Yeah. Yeah. I am so that. impressed with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Gregorian chant is? That's impressive. I'm friends right. with Greg. He taught me all about it. Um, <laughs> and you said something else. Okay. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> oh man alright oh boy let's run through the intro real quick and then we'll jump into I guess the pins I think we were kind of talking we're going to do you want to kind of say what we're going to do or you want to wait until after the intro uh, we can wait until after the intro okay. perfect perfect Get that done it rolling and we'll go from there perfect alright here we go before we start off the chat however I do have a few housekeeping notes In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the Titanfall series. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out the new www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internet, and a growing collection of community articles. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing and to help us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation in the first week of each month. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the lore of Horizon Zero Dawn, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in. With all that being said, Pins, could you kindly start us off with a general summary on the information that we have about Halo? All right. Um, kind of what we're going to do, my thoughts were, is uh, we'll run through a timeline, <clears throat> excuse me, of what would be considered the, the major points of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, what happened in the Halo, what's gone on in the Halo universe. Um, go over some of the races, the primary races. And then what I'd like to do is take a look at arguably one of the most uh, important characters in the Halo universe in uh, Catherine Halsey. Yay! Uh, Open the the floodgates of salt. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And blue, go ahead and turn turn to page six in Mythos. Okay, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. all right. All right. Everyone turn to page six in Everyone your companion. Turn, turn to page six. Oh my gosh, this is like the most amazing companion <laughs> to the lecture ever. <laughs> professor, professor, I have a question about Okay, yeah. we're good. Let's Notes go. are on point this week. Mm-hmm. They didn't send them to Justin. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> with Halo being around for as long as it has, it's 17 years, um, the universe is, has, and it's the what has occurred in the universe has been pretty fleshed out and uh, it still keeps expanding. So, um, in looking at it, uh, when, I, when we were a chat, one of the things I put together was kind of like a, what I considered a basic timeline of just the nuts and bolts of what occurred and whatnot. So, when you're talking in the Halo universe, you're starting uh, in 15 million BCE. That's before Common Era, before Common Era BC. Um, at that time, uh, what occurred was the precursors arrived in the Milky Way. And the, pre- the precursors essentially are the creators in the Halo universe. They arrived in the Milky Way, and they seeded the galaxy uh, with life. And essentially, from that, uh, developed all the species that are in the Halo universe. Um, the Forerunners, Humanity, the Sanghealy, Yorohane, Kigyar, every, all the species we know in the Halo universe. And we have fought at one point in time or another. The goal was to have a have a species develop where it could take what they can what they called the mantle of responsibility, and I'll get into that uh, here shortly. Um, around 10 million BCE, um, the precursors had decided that humanity was going to be the race that would take the mantle. Now, what was the one species that was in direct conflict or competition, I should say, was the Forerunners. Um, <clears throat> another race, they were humanoid in shape, large, very, a very structured society. Um, there is some evidence to indicate that when the Precursors chose humanity, they also chose to wipe the Forerunners out. Um, nothing too definitive, but it is, there is some indications of that. The Forerunners, not wanting to be wiped out, decided to wage war on the Precursors. And at, in about 10 million BCE, they waged war and nearly wiped them out. They drove them totally out of the Milky Way and even to a uh, neighboring galaxy of Pathcathona, which some thought was where the Precursors actually came from. Um, at this time, the remaining Precursors either chose to either go into a stasis mode or because they had the ability to change their forms at will, they changed themselves into an inert powder, thinking at some point they would come back and reclaim um, the roles and try to set things right. At this point in time, the forerunners claim the mantle of responsibility. Now, the mantle of responsibility is essentially guardianship over the galaxy. Um, <clears throat> the forerunners took it as a a very strict uh, belief system, uh, essentially a very, a very strict religion. They uh, they interfered with other races 
thinking that, you know, essentially forcing or force guiding them in certain ways to make sure that, uh, think of it as an overprotective parent. Someone who says, no, you can't do that. That's bad. And essentially stopped you from doing it. But what they also did was they, um, in doing this, <clears throat> they also wanted to make sure that no race would actually come in competition with them to try to take the mantle away from them. Um, so in many cases, they suppressed any kind of advancement uh, for societies, and this would come back and bite them in the end. Um, Badly. <laughs> yes. Now, the one thing here is, is that the forerunner's concept of the mantle was totally different than what the precursor's concept of the mantle was. The precursors kind of took it as a very holistic approach uh, where you, if you, even though you were responsible for the galaxy and guiding it, you let races and everything develop as they needed. That included letting them wage war on each other because it was all part of the experience. It was all part of this, this concept of, <clears throat> you know, developing and growing. Um, you let, societies grow at their own rate you let them you know even if they may conflict with you you let them grow and the only time you really step in was in case of annihilation where someone where essentially one race would commit genocide against another or something to that effect um so again well, very two very diametrically different ideas right because i always view the precursors as more of the the standoffish not well not standoffish but like parents who are like no 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 you got to grow on your own and then yes. the forerunners yeah. are the the proverbial helicopter parents mm -hmm. in a bad Pretty way much. in a bad way yeah <laughs> so at, at this point you have the forerunners <clears throat> which are at the pinnacle of uh society and you had humanity ancient humanity actually was a very advanced uh society at that time they could do space travel and actually pretty precise space travel at this time so humanity you know even at that point in time they're kind of in competition with the forerunners what they decided to do is they were going to expand out but they were going to expand out on the orion arm of the, the, the galaxy which was away from the primary control of the forerunners. Well, what ended up happening was they came across a series of ships and containers that had this powder in it that, you know, yeah. oh, okay. So they did tests and they found, oh, it's totally inert. There's nothing wrong with this, with the exception of they had pets that were known as Feru. And if they sprinkled this powder on these pets, it made them docile. <laughs> I'm sorry. And there's a, anyone there's who's a, seen Firefly <laughs> knows what happens next. This is not a good idea, guys. <laughs> so, Goram <clears throat> Ravers. Yep. <laughs> Except that. So anyway, the it, a small group, a small percentage of the Feru became very rabid, had strange growths, would essentially eat other Feru, bite and infect others, and it eventually became became the flood. So in 107,445 BCE, 
that marks the very beginning of the human flood war. Um, humanity <clears throat> takes a very aggressive approach. If flood is detected on a system, it will destroy it. But uh, the flood, by its nature, the flood by its nature is any one flood spore contains the collective consciousness of the flood. So all it takes is one, and it will could totally wipe out any any civilization on any planet because it infects, it grows, and it expands, and then it infects again. It just keeps building and building. Um, <clears throat> so you have humanity fighting the war against the, the flood, and they're starting to lose, so they start to fall back. Well, where do they fall back to? They fall back into forerunner space. This, of course, puts them in conflict with the forerunners, and the flood actually infects, actually get on some forerunner worlds. Humanity, trying to stop this, decides, okay, we need to just wipe out the entire planet and all the everything that's on the planet. Forerunners really don't notice this, or they don't, they don't see this, they don't encounter the flood. So they just see it as humanity being savages, and all of a sudden, humanity is fighting a two-front war. This goes on for mm, thousand thousand years, and <clears throat> until the humans discover a being in a time capsule, and it was known as the primordial. Now, what this was, uh, it's still unclear if it was actually a precursor that was in stasis or was the first grave mind. But what we do know is that the, the, human, the first humans that started to talk to this thing essentially all committed suicide at some point because apparently it told them something so horrific that they opted to kill themselves rather than face it. Machine. Yeah, pretty much. So what ended up happening was the humanity essentially reseals it in a time lock and everything. And at about 106,500 BCE, the flood actually start retreating from combat with humanity. Now, the thought is at this point is the general consensus is it was thought that somehow humanity found a way to inoculate, inoculate themselves against the flood. So they retreated, but that just left humanity facing the forerunners and they were pretty much white worn out at that point. So <clears throat> eventually um, about a hundred and some years later, the forerunners defeat humanity. As punishment, humanity is devolved to a uh, pre into, into an, uh, a pre a pre technological state. They are uh, banished to their home world of Erder Tyrene, Earth, um, and <clears throat> at this point, um, they're just being researched by the librarian, who was. And actually, before I go into this part, so at this point the forerunners become aware of the flood. Now, forerunner society was a caste-based society, and it was broken down into, uh, I think, six or seven different castes, if I remember right. That sounds right. I, I only remember, like, the two <coughs> primary ones, because I haven't read that right. whole trilogy yet. Uh, so... You had the hang on one second here. Sorry. 
the librarian was the one who was just gathering information on anybody and everybody, correct? Correct. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. There were no, the foreigners knew them that were listed as rates. There were, yeah, there were six rates, although there was a seventh at one point in time. The rates were builders. They were responsible for designing construction of most of Forerunner technology. Um, they were also the ones who built the Halo arrays. And <clears throat> it was after the human, human Forerunner war that they became the preeminent rate and actually absorbed um, members from other rates, uh, specifically the warrior servants. Um, and this is the, the leader that was Master, ba- Master Builder Faber. You had miners. Miners were the ones who pretty much as their job, they obtained their materials requiring to build stuff, and they also did stellar and planetary engineering. You had life workers. This was the this was the the rate that the librarian was. Essentially, they were specialized in biology and medicine. They experimented on life forms, and they also were the ones who um, <clears throat> worked on what was known as the conservation measure, which was once it became felt that the forerunners would not be able to defeat the flood, they realized they needed to uh, they needed to utilize the halo rays to wipe out all life. They needed a way to reseed the galaxy. So they were the ones who actually collected as many species as they could, took them someplace safe outside of where the halo rays would destroy everything, and then be able to return them to their planets so they could then begin to uh, repopulate the galaxy. You had juridicals. This was these were the judges and lawyers um, of <clears throat> uh, foreigner society. You had the warrior servants. Again, this was the military. This actually was at one point in time the preeminent rate. Um, it was, but due to um, the politics that happened after the for human forerunner war. Uh, they actually dropped to the lowest rate. Um, and then you also had um, engineers, which were otherwise known as Huragok. Yay, Huragok. Mm-hmm. My favorites ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the last rate was one that was actually known as theoreticals. Um, <clears throat> they were essentially the philosophers of it. Um at one point, um, one of the a leader of the theoreticals was studying a particular nebula in Pathcathona, uh, which is again where it was thought that the precursors were from. And she was <clears throat> then uh, banished to a cryptum, um, and it ended up that the cryptum was quote unquote faulty, so she died in it instead of just being kept in stasis. Um, it was after that that the theoretical rate was actually merged into the builder rate. So that's kind of the way the society was structured uh, for the forerunners. If you guys have any questions, please just stop and like grab me because <laughs> I know I can have a tendency to just start rolling and I don't want to roll over any questions. So. No, okay, so no, the, like well, I, yeah, sitting back and listening is kind of nice. But the the question I have is, you're talking yeah. about before we get into the Milner project and, and right. John yeah. and everything. This is way before 
mm-hmm. Halsey and everybody else. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yes, this is true. It's kind of laying the groundwork of it because um, kind of stepping outside of the lore for a little bit. This stuff all came out just before Halo 4 because all of a sudden you moved away from humanity, the covenant, and the flood to the return of the forerunners. So that's right. where a lot of this information came. So it is kind of relevant to uh, the the in-game series. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of it. I know there's a lot of it. Sorry. No, <laughs> but, no, no. There's yeah, there's so. just a lot of enemies and stuff like that mm-hmm. their basic history and background as to why they're so angry and their guns really annoy the crap out of me. Just oh yeah, good to know. Some of them are pretty nice, but uh, in many cases they are just like poor copies of existing weapons. But that's we're kind of getting into game tech, game stuff there. So. Um, Anyway, so um, at about 98,000 BCE, um, it is determined that um, the foreigners need to have a solution for the flood because the flood had returned and um, had really started to push back on the forerunners. The forerunners had taken very extreme, had initially had not taken... too many extreme measures because they were trying to hold up to the mantle of being responsible. Uh, But when faced against an enemy like the Flood, um, they realized that they really couldn't hold on to that like they did. Um, And it is at this point that their philosophy of holding down the advancement of other other races actually hurt them significantly because as they lost, you had societies that were consumed by the Flood because they couldn't defend themselves. So not only did they uh, deny themselves allies, they actually gave, made more enemies for, by, allowing, by allowing the flood to take them. So after much debate, the, there were two plans for how to combat the flood. The first one was uh, put out there by the Didact. The Didact was um, born Shadow of Sundered Star. He was the leader of the uh, warrior servants. His philosophy was to build shield worlds where they would be essentially Dyson Dyson spheres that forerunners could stay at and then kind of do a a, a space version of island hopping like the like the allies did in world war two where they would just like go from, they would hop around behind the lines of where the flood were, were to destroy planets and, and try to stop them that way. Um, the second one was the building of what was known. It would, would be known as the halo rays. The halo rays were mega structures um, <clears throat> that were designed to wipe out all living uh, all life um, in the galaxy. It would not. It would not directly kill the flood, but it took away its food, um, and it would actually kill in probably one of the ugliest ways that I can think of. Uh, it would attack a. It would attack the nervous system of a being of a certain mental capacity, uh, and essentially vibrate them to death. That's rough. That, you basically became you rough. became a tuning fork for the galaxy. Pretty much, yeah. 
pretty much it would it would cause it would cause a nervous system overload and essentially just wipe you out um now there was a, like I said, this was competing, and the build the master the builders who were the ones who proposed the Halo Ray. Um, <clears throat> one, and it's at this point that the didact for his opposition um, was actually sealed in a cryptum. Um, again, it was this was and actually banished to Erde Tyrene. Um, essentially, he was in the Jumonkin Crater, which is in which was set in modern day um <laughs> it was set in modern day uh africa so <clears throat> the, on the halo array real quick pins i think it's also important to note that you know it took it would take more than one halo array to actually eradicate all life because yes. in the in the um in the is it primordium is primordium or cryptum the first book in the trilogy cryptum uh, cryptum. cryptum um they used they used one halo array on um uh, the prophets Sharom hakor yes was it, it the was prophet? on the, 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 the sanshium yep yeah. it was used on the sanshium planet um as a punishment and it was fired right. at low power Right. And it's still, I mean, so, but, but I, what I mean here is that like in the game, you kind of get this sense, oh, one halo array would wipe out everything. And it's, it's not, it's actually the connection no. to the, the whole array of network. Cause then there's 12. Well, uh, do we know were... how many there were? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We do. And give me one second. Okay. There were, um, originally, there are two different kinds of Halo Array constructed. Um, the Halo Arrays were built on what was known as the Ark. There was one that was the first seven was actually, I'm sorry, there, there, were, there were 12 of the, the first group. They were okay. 30,000 kilometer wide rings, and they were built at the Greater Ark. Now, the way that these were fired was when it shot the pulse out, it shot it out in a, they were not multi, they were not multi-directional. They went out. Like if you look at, look at a hoop, it kind of went out the sides and shot out as a cone. Um, now eventually at the lesser arc, there were another, um, there were seven that were created. Now these were 10,000 kilometer wide, but, they were they were they were truly multidirectional. They shot when the pulse went out. It went out in every direction. Okay, um, it okay. shot out in a you know in a in a sphere. Now their pulse range was twenty five thousand light years, if I remember correctly. Um, so they were all positioned throughout the Milky Way. So when they fired, they would all they would all be synced through uh, slip space communication, and they would all fire pretty much at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I remember because I remember that they had to synchronize via slip because slip space was how they uh, they moved them too, if I remember right. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, yes. They they were sent in position. Each each ring had the ability to go through slip space and. Um, into a uh, into its 
preordained pre, uh, pre position for uh-huh. for essentially for maximum firing uh, from well, maximum impact, I guess is the best way to put it. So, yeah. Um, I just wanted I just wanted to kind of call that out because yeah. I think that might be a, a common misconception for those who who are jumping into Halo. Um, because then the, you know, that quickly follows of, well, what, you know, the, it seems like a lazy job from a storytelling perspective. Oh, we are going to Delta Halo. It's, you know, mm-hmm. when it's actually not, it actually is there, there is a reason why there are, um, what, nine, 19 now? Well, there, there were well, so many, the, there were, so there many. were, there were 12, out of the original 12, only one survived because, um, as we'll mention here in a little bit, um, was that because Medica? of a turn, it, yeah, because okay. of an AI that turned to the side of the flood, um, oh. a lot of the, the original 12, 30,000 kilometer rings were at the, the, uh, home world of, um, the forerunners and attempted to destroy the front forerunners right by there by all of them firing at once. However, due to um, a um, forerunner known as Born Stellar, uh, Born Stellar, Born Stellar Lasts Eternal, <laughs> who became known also the Didact, and I'll get into that here in a little bit, because <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't confusing enough, <laughs> right? Because that was that was he, the was that is it May May Thrillian? Is May that Thrillian, the, yes. May Thrillian? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was it, due to uh, slip space eddies and whatnot, many of those original thirty thousand kilometer rings were destroyed. Um, there was one that was able to get away and it was installation 07 that eventually was re that reconfigured itself as a 10,000 kilometer ring. It was those, it it was those seven that went ahead and um, became the ones that uh, essentially ended life in the universe. Okay. So we're okay. So, again, the Forerunners encounter the Flood floor, flood war, Forerunner Flood War starts. Um, the Primordial had been um, captured and had been taken to Installation 07, um, well, again, which was one of the Halo rings. Um, the Forerunners created an AI known as Mendic Bias. And his job was to interrogate the primordial and try to figure out a way to defeat the flood. Their discussion lasted 30 years. During this time, the librarian begins what's known as the conservation measure, which was the auditing and collection of all species um, with the idea of keeping them safe for when the halo rays fired. It was also at this point in time as I said, that that um, a young forerunner um, who was of the builder rate, but was sent to live with miners on what is now Mars, um, went to Earth in in search, in search of adventure. In essence, um, 
teen, teen, uh, young forerunners are known as manipulators, and just think of them as teenagers. And no, this one did not listen to his father. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so his name was Bornstower Lasts Eternal. And with some, with a couple of humans, Chakas and Riser, they found the cryptum where the didact was. They released him. They then sought to return to Forerunner space, um, both Bornsteller, the didact, and both humans. It was during this that um, the didact convinced Bornsteller to do what's known as a brevet mutation. Now, for Forerunners, whenever they get of age, when they are ready to essentially go into adulthood, they do. They go through what is known as a mutation. Essentially, it is a growing, it is a maturing. Um, <clears throat> in almost every case, the mutations are done within the rates. Builders be still become builders, miners become miners, etc. Now, Bornsteller's father was one of the builders who was key in building the Halo arrays. However, the didact convinced Bornsteller to take an imprint of the didact of himself which essentially would make him part of the warrior servant rate and would grant Bornsteller all the memories and knowledge of the didact. So at this point, when we're speaking of the didact, uh, though I'll be speaking them in two terms, you have the ISO didact, that is Bornsteller. Then you have the OR didact, which is the original. Everyone confused? <laughs> the only reason no. I'm not is because I read the book. And in reading yeah. the book, reading the book was really confusing. Like, I'll, I'll be like, Cryptum was really because I was like, what is going on? There's, well, there's a lot of reading and then rereading. Yeah. And then I actually had to go as far as to as to write names down on paper. Yes. Um, yeah, and highlighting things. Uh, it's, it's the only time I've had that much trouble getting through dialogue and names was. Uh, the moon is a harsh mistress, just just because of the language. But yeah, it's it it's 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 a lot of weird repetitive yeah. type names. Mm-hmm. Very much. Is it is it a name or is it a? T- it's a the title. Di- the, the didact is actually a title, much like the librarian is a title or master builder is a title. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are titles. They um. One thing I can't remember is exactly how they actually got their names, but you know, Shadow of Sundered Star. It's the you know, Chant to Green was a life shaper. Um, so I mean, Ed, that's pretty much how all Forerunner stuff. And then you know, that also reflects in the Huragok, the engineers. You know, lighter than some. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Pour Does one out the, for uh, lighter than some. Is the uh, the the prefix there is that an honorific or does that indicate some sort of uh Station? some sort of yeah like er um oh uh, uh, those i am i'm not 100% certain on it um i think um it it just indicates the difference between the two um i've never read anything okay. that actually indicated anything different but yeah, I mean, I'll admit, I'm are you talking about something. The, are you talking about the ISO and the ER? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the librarian recognized the difference between the two, but then, mm-hmm. but I- then she also was like, <laughs> "But there's not, like, 
it was really weird because like she was like, no, you're different, but you're not. Yeah. And yet yeah. Gri- Griff is yeah. saying, telling us the fun story of her, her guck. I love her gucks. I am. Um, yeah. I amazing. always just read it as I read it as um, the, the, or uh, the, the, or uh, didact. You know, I mean, like, like I was confused, but I think, I think that was just me. Well, the ur was the primary, and then the <laughs> right. ISO, ISO was the <laughs> secondary. Was, was the copy? Born, yeah, he was. Was the copy? ISO was born okay. stellar, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So, at this point, um, it comes down to Mendicant Bodies returns. He joins the flood, turns on the forerunners. The uh, forerunners then create a another AI called Offensive Bias. Again, it is a it is the same class of AI. It's a smart AI. However, it is very it's has nowhere near the free will that Mendicant did. Um, and <clears throat> at this point, after a number of battles. Um, it is decided that the only option is to uh, fire the arrays. The it is at this point in time that the Ordidact, um, who had been captured by the flood and tortured, and then released back to sow discord on the forerunners, um, was on um, Requiem and was essentially planning to take a device known as the Composer and create Prometheans. Uh, Prometheans were his personal guard. Um, and the, by use of a device known as Composer, he turned by uh, biological matter into digital. So he essentially created a race of AIs, AI soldiers, who could fight and defeat the Flood. Um, he turned this on a number of humans that were part part of the conservation measure and turned them into Prometheans, feeling that, you know, humanity brought this on, so they deserve uh, to be essentially punished by making them fight the Flood. The librarian ambushes um, the didact on Requiem and seals him in a cryptum <clears throat> to try and... Um, Tone. She then goes to Earth to oversee the creation of a portal that would uh, allow people to pass from Earth to uh, the Ark. Um, and it's at this point in time that um, if you played Halo 3 and you picked up the terminals, there was a lot of conversations back and forth between the librarian and the didact, meaning the ISO didact. Um, mm-hmm. She convinces him to fire the arrays. The arrays are fired. Um, a very small group, and essentially wipes out all uh, life in the galaxy. There's a small group of forerunners who survive, who go ahead and seed the seed life back on uh, back across the galaxy, um, and then they leave. Uh, they leave the uh, the Milky Way to uh, find another place. So. Several tens of thousands of years go by, um, and <clears throat> um, races develop. Humanity goes through um, its growing pains along with every other race. And then in 852 BCE, the Covenant uh, are formed. 
the covenant is initially formed from the Sanchayum, the prophets, and the Sanghili, the elites. Um, both had progressed faster than humanity at this point, um, <clears throat> because actually neither one had been devolved as much as humanity had. Um, and both in their home planets had a number of forerunner relics. Um, the prophets wanted to research them and, and use them. The Sangheili didn't. They felt that they were holy relics and shouldn't be used. This, of course, led to a war. The uh, prophets had an ace in the hole. They had a forerunner dreadnought um, that was, had been on their home planet <clears throat> that they took. Um, and while on the ground, the Sangheili were better warriors, they couldn't face up to the dreadnought. They uh, came to a peace and then proceeded to expand their, they started building a, essentially their covenant as a religion. Um, <clears throat> in 648 BC, they built the city of high charity, which was a mobile home world for the covenant. And they, every race that they came across, they, there was initially warfare, but they eventually made peace with them or forced peace and brought them on. Um, the hunters, the Kigyar, the, which are the jackals, the, uh, the anime, which are the buggers, uh, the ungoy grunts, and then uh, essentially the Yerohane, the brutes, they essentially formed this massive covenant. So every race that they came across, while there was initial conflict, they actually got them to join the covenant and join this religion. Um, so in the 22nd century, um, that's when humanity actually starts to uh, get to the point where they can do uh, be spacefarers. Um, the, in 2163, the UNSC is formed, the United Nations Space Command. And the following year, the UNSC actually creates the first bioengineering protocols to try to augment humans. This never really gets beyond the planning stage because it costs too much and technology has not um, gotten far enough. And in 2178, our favorite organization, Naval Intelligence, is formed. Ugh. and I. Yes. Can just um, go into a deep, dark hole um, where they'll be happy and burn. Yeah. They might be happy about that, too, actually. I think they might be masochists. Probably. Uh, in 2291, uh, the Shaw Fukijawa slip space drive is developed by uh, Shaw and Fukijawa. It allows for slip space travel. Um, in about 100 years later, the first wave of colonization uh, begins. One of the first planets colonized is the planet Reach. This would eventually become um, the, the main military base for the UNSC uh, outside of Earth. Um, by 2362, the first wave of colonization of planets are done. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the 2390, the, what, the last of what would be considered the inner colonies are, are uh, colonized. Expansion then continues to occur in what is now, what would become known as the outer colonies. And in 2475, the first civilian uprising in the outer colonies breaks out. Yay. Uh, UNSC is called in and to suppress it. And realizing that this is going to be 
difficult. Um, in 2491, Project Orion is started. Um, Project Orion it was an offshoot of the first bioengineering protocols where they would take actual soldiers and augment them um, physically, mainly through biochemical means, physically, um, eyesight, things of that nature. And then they would actually use them to fight the insurrection. Um, <clears throat> by 2506, Project Orion is stopped. Um, and it's also in this year that the first human brain is cloned. Um, in 2510, uh, what, again, what I would consider to be probably the one of the major characters in all of Halo, Catherine Halsey, is convinced to join Oni. Real it's quick, interest- time out. Point yeah. real quick. Yeah. Was Halsey involved with Project Orion originally? No. No. Pro- no, she was not. Um, Halsey... Um, yeah, uh, that's kind of it, 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 hers was a real interesting career, um, but she was not involved in the original Orion project. Uh, she actually was still a teenager at the time, despite the fact that she had gotten her. By the time I think she was fifteen or sixteen, she 15. was working on fifteen. She was working on her second. Um, no, she was working. I think she was on her degree. third because I think she. No, I think yeah, the second. Hang on. Like, Second or third doctorate. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, Professor Pins. Hang on. <laughs> so on on page sixty. All right, no, no, no. If you guys have Mythos, actually, this is really this is a really useful, really useful book. Um, it says she had completed two doctoral theses paper by age of fifteen and became a scientific advisor of Oni in twenty five fifteen, spearheading mm-hmm. Spartan two and Mjolnir only two years later. Right. Okay. So, um. Like I said, 2515, she uh, joins Oni. Um, or, I mean, I'm sorry, 2510, she joined the UNSC. 2515, she joins Oni. Yep. A um, few years later, she developed the Spartan 2 program is put into place. And in 2517, the candidates that, are, that would form the Spartan 2 program are um, inducted. They were straight up kidnapped. So, and then in 2525, the Covenant come across the planet Harvest. And it is at this point that the Human Covenant War begins. Um, Pour one out. It is also... Pour one out for that poor Huragak. Fun fact, (laughs) the very first human casualty of the war was killed by by a Huragak. The Huragak's name was lighter than some. And the reason was that the human um it was a uh it was a freighter it was a just a shipping freighter that the um that a covenant ship had come across had attacked and a ungoy a grunt um yeah yeah or was that 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 i can't remember yeah i can't remember yeah i can't remember (laughs) it was one of the Um, app apps yes yeah, let's see here real quick. Oh, my. It just oh, no. reminds me this of is like, naming functionalities. This is like, like one of the f- like funniest but saddest small stories within the Halo yes. world because the poor Huragok is actually just trying to help. Like, they're, he's actually uh-huh. – because Huragoks are pacifists. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they, yes. they're engineers. They, they don't – they actually, like, don't – 
they go out of their way to not do harm. And it was, <laughs> it was like, it started the Covenant Human War, which was yes, a massive conflict. Yeah, like I said, um, it was the human freighter Horn of Plenty and disabled it. And the Ungoy, who was, a, his name was Dabab. Um, oh, it wasn't an app app? No, this was Dabab. Yes. Okay. Um, so was being attacked and earlier on uh, this is all in the book Contact Harvest earlier on uh, Dabab was killing rats by throwing rocks at him and the Hurragok was like was kind of like well what are you doing and started to do that and realized until he was killing things but Dabab was his friend and then a human uh, I'm sorry the the the, the, the the ship was that uh, was this end up was the human ship, and the pilot was a man by the name of Henry Gibson, who became the first person killed by a Covenant member. And it was uh, later than some chucking a rock at him because he was attacking Dadad and killing him. So, yeah. Don't <laughs> mess with Herogok's friends. No. Rocks are deadly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... It's at this point, like I said, it, in 2525, um, the Covenant find an attack harvest. The Human Covenant Wars begins and immediately goes south for the humanity. Um, they are no match for the technology of the Covenant. Um, they can kind of hold their ground. Uh, they, can hold, they can hold the line on the ground, but they always lose in space. Um, to make any kind of even somewhat of a win, they need a three-to-one advantage. Um, and in the smallest of ships can wipe out immense fleets. <clears throat> it's at this point in time that the Spartan 2 program becomes um, live. It's And its uh, mandate of fighting insurrectionists has changed to fighting the Covenant. Uh, the first, um, the first uh, Spartan 2 to die in combat was Sam-034 in the Battle of Kaiseti 4. Uh, this is where the Spartans, after going through augmentation, would um, got their meal in their armor. Um, is this during their like their training of it, like getting used to the meal? I can't this remember. Ha- yes, <clears throat> they the meal in their armor development was on Chai City Four. Um, the the remaining Spartans who had succeeded, who had survived the augmentation, came in um, along with Halsey. Um, a UNSC ship encountered one um, Covenant ship, and the Covenant ship damaged, um, seriously damaged the UNSC ship, but they were able to get the the Spartans off, um, and they got them into their first uh, set of Mjolnir armor. Now, the development of Mjolnir armor was was a project of Catherine Halsey, and it was designed so only a Spartan could really use it. It was unbelievably expensive. Um, Heavy. One, yes. And one mule, one suit of Mjolnir armor cost as much as a UNSC destroyer. And so, it, it lasted yeah. longer, especially yes. against the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the one of the things about the Mjolnir armor was, tried to put a normal human into it. No. It was, mm-hmm. the suit would 
react to the smallest of uh, of movements. Oh, I remember so you, this. So you had to be very deliberate. So what would happen is a normal human couldn't do it, but when they put normal human in, he tried to move something, and it moved so far that it broke his arm, and he started to convulse, which broke more things. And essentially, mm-hmm. he died because of it. He, he literally broke himself to death. Yes. This is yeah, all within that first book, isn't it? Yeah, fall, I remember this is all within the fall of the that was like I actually think she got there's really, animation of that. Uh yes. Yeah, that was that that's was one terrifying. of the, that's one of the few pieces of that that movie that I was not entirely upset about. Right. But that was also that the her response to that was so halsey. Mm-hmm. So halsey. Yeah, um it, there was when Halo 5 was released, there was a movie adaptation of The Fall of Reach which frankly is one of the worst things I think 343 has put out there. Totally. I mean, okay, I won't go into that. How bad it was. <laughs> I just don't know how much I dislike that, but it actually does have a, that scene in there and it's kind of hard to watch. So, yeah. I, I like the scene with the, uh, when they're out on training and they, they ambush the, Oh, the guys yeah. with the rocks. That that was actually pretty close to what the book had. Pretty, yeah, yeah it's it was, pretty it was, accurate. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good scene. Okay, so in 2531, the UNSC decides that they need more Spartans. So they decide to begin the Spartan 3 program, which I would uh, – I. Blue and I, I know you and I've said this. I would argue is worse than what the what what happened to those kids is worse than what happened to the Spartan twos. What the threes? The threes. Uh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I I that that's I could go for hours on that in and of itself. Um, in twenty five thirty four. The UNSC Spirit of Fire, uh, which was um, which was actually the first ship ever to encounter the flood, um, is designated lost with all hands. Um, by 2535, the majority of the outer colonies are destroyed. Um, at this point in time, the Cole Protocol, which is a uh, set of instructions that says that should a um, should the Covenant um, be ready to take look like they're going to take something that would allow them to find earth that either um, that the ship must self-destruct itself, uh, you know, no, in, or that any ship that's fleeing cannot have a direct path to earth. It must take a random jump and then at, at least one random jump before it recalibrates and heads towards earth. This is try to keep the covenant from finding earth. Um, in 2547, Oni makes the Spartan two pro program public to try to boost morale since everything's going so poorly. And then in 2552 in Halo for Halo CE, Spartan Spartan 2 Master Chief Petty Officer John 117 is paired with a smart AI Cortana. And this is for Operation Red, Red Flag. Operation Red Flag is a plan to capture a prophet and try to sue for peace. Um, the Covenant find reach uh, and destroy it. And then we are now actually into the game Halo CE. Uh, installation 04 is discovered. 
and everything that happened in the game. The flutter released. Master Chief is able to destroy the array by detonating the reactor of the Pillar of Autumn. Um, he returns to Earth with a few survivors. Um, and we now go into what was Halo 2, uh, the Covenant Find Earth, and find a portal. The, the portal that the librarian had buried and created was in the East African city of Voi. Um, the Covenant that found Earth was a small fleet led by the Prophet of Regret. Um, he jumps out and ends up finding Installation 05, another Halo array. Installation 05 is actually um, already flood infested from an outbreak because its monitor was lax in its duties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do we want to talk? Is that too much spoiler to talk about what? Guilty Spark? Oh, and the, and the I totally forgot about. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Installation 04, every Halo array had a monitor. Essentially, it was an AI. The monitor for Installation 04, for everyone that's played the game, as you remember, is 343 Guilty Spark. 343 Guilty Spark was, is actually the human Chakas. Uh, he had suffered major injury um, and in the closing days of the Forerunner Flood War. And the Isodidact, um, trying to save his friend from any way possible, essentially made him a monitor. AI, and he was tasked with the safeguarding of Installation 04. Um, again, that didn't turn out too well. <laughs> he escaped. <laughs> uh, and again, in Halo 2, we come across him, um, and even in Halo 3. So, um, and he actually, even the destruct, even getting hit like three times with a Spartan laser in Halo 3. He actually did not die. Uh, he, is, he is found by um, the members of the UNSC Rubicon after the war is over, and no one know, quite knows what happened after that. <laughs> Hopefully they hit him repeatedly with a sledgehammer. <laughs> the quotes are pretty hilarious. Oh my yes. gosh. He was, like, he was like Halo's Navi, was what he was. Mm-hmm. Except yes. you actually could hit him, which mm-hmm. made him made it better, slightly. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> made it. So, um, kind of jumping back here a little bit, um, the Covenant get hold of the ability to fire uh, the Halo rays. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention is the one thing driving the Covenant was the idea of the Great Journey. Great journey was the idea that if they find the halo rays, they would fire them and they would all ascend into godhood. Oh yeah, it's which was side mission type. Yeah, which frankly was a total misread by them. <laughs> they totally misunderstood the forerunner glyphs that they they were. Um, they they tried they totally they messed up on the deciphering of them. And they <laughs> just just said, a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> What they thought was reclamation, meaning they would reclaim everything, was actually reclaimer when the reclaimers were humans. Uh, so, yeah. And actually, the, the hierarchs, the three prophets that were actually in, at the top of the covenant, the prophet, truth, mercy, and regret, they all knew the truth. 
And that is why they actually implemented uh, the, the, the call for the eradication of humanity, because they didn't want their power to be taken away. Didn't, didn't one of the, pro- wasn't that how one of the prophets got assassinated? Was mm-hmm. because he threatened to go to the council or the, not the, it wasn't the acumen. No, no, no. That is, that is how, um, one of the, just before the, the outbreak of the war, and this is in context right, harvest, right. if yeah, I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. One of them was oh, what, what essentially, was I can't remember who that was off the top of my head. I'm going to go back through the encyclopedia. No, 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 no. It was, it was, uh, it was one, it wasn't any of the three that you know. No, it was, no, it um, was, it was essentially one of the former hierarchs that died, think, that was killed. And then I think didn't regret well, I think replace him. Or yes. Mer- or yes, one of them regret what, what replaced him. Cause regret was actually the oldest one out of the, I remember right. Um, okay. They all looked pretty so, old. Yeah, pretty much. In their hover chairs. <laughs> and then there's actually with, this wonderful the part of fuel rod yeah. cannons that were in the arms. The, the best part of any video game ever is when you're allowed as Master Chief to jump on the old alien's hover chair and <laughs> repeatedly punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. That's so amazing. And then eventually oh, he gets annoyed too. and kicks that him was, off. That was so... <laughs> there was a lot of things about Halo 2 that made me want to chuck my my controller. Um, that was one of them. Although... Oh, yeah. The ending actually had my hand cocked and ready to throw the controller across the room. How do you end a game like this? Oh, I was just spent by that point. I couldn't even be it, mad. It was a great line that ended it. That ended mm-hmm. Halo 2. You know, Master Chief, what are you doing on that ship, sir? Finishing this fight, fade to black. You for, for four years. Offs. <laughs> for four years. Or however yeah. how many, many years I was. It was like what? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. No, no, this they were, no. They were really good at doing the uh, the the quippy little line and then and then cutting out. You remember the yes. the promo where she says, "Bet you can't stick it." I've never been so excited <laughs> for anything ever. <laughs> total. total I like side, I can. I can't stick note. it. There is there is a my doc that shows Jen Taylor traveling around the world talking to halo fans you know oh, either oh, man. cosplayers oh, wow. everything it is awesome and a lot of them don't realize it's her until she says the line it is great how could you not well you have to remember you have to remember this was at a point in time where you know you didn't have social media you really didn't youtube wasn't yeah. all that big um <clears throat> so you know maybe you heard the voice but you know, even oh, I she, mean, her voice was different. Cortana looked just like her in the beginning. I guess mm. people didn't know that. Yeah, no, they didn't. Not Did really. She? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, a as bit, much a as bit. much as you could, but right with, with yeah, with those graphics. But if you if you put old Cortana next to her, you would you'd be like, oh, okay, that's the person they modeled that yeah. after. But uh, yeah, I mean that. The first three Halo games occurred at a time that was totally different in gaming. Um, but okay, um, so we uh, we kind of go through all the games. Um, Master Chief is able to stop 
the um, the Covenant from firing. Um, and at the end of Halo 3, he is left on the back end of the severed uh, Ford unto dawn, floating in space, um, while the Arbiter crash lands back at Earth, um, and humanity is finally at peace for the first time in 30 years. Um, in 2553, the Spartan 4 program has begun, and our wonderful friends Oni starts a campaign to keep Sangheili in the midst of civil war so they don't turn against humanity. Um, in 2555, a research mission on Installation 07 finds a timer that is a countdown for to have all the Halo rays fired. Um, there is a operation put together joint between humanity and Sangheili that goes to the Ark and was able to stop the stop that from firing. And in July of 2557, Master Chief and Cortana find their way to Requiem. Um, they encounter the Covenant led by Joel and Dama, and they end up waking up the Didact. Um, anyone who's played Halo 4 pretty much knows the story. At this point in time, Cortana is um, reaching Crazy. the end of... Well, yeah, pretty much. She's, I think, in some cases, it was they tried to liken it to Alzheimer's, but she was essentially succumbing to rampancy, uh, which is when an AI goes, essentially doesn't have any more room and to actually collect data and starts thinking themselves to death. Chief and Cortana defeat uh, the Didact. Um, Cortana dies. And... Um, or does Chief she? Is, Yes. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay. She quote unquote dies. <laughs> and then uh, in 2558, um, you essentially have the, um, you have Halo 5 occur. Chief and Blue Time team go against orders, find Cortana. Uh, team Osiris chases them. And this is the rise of Cortana of a of Cortana uh, and the created, the AIs rebelling against humanity. Um, in 2559, the Spirit of Fire ends up finding its way to the Ark, where it fights a faction of Covenant known as the Banished. Uh, and that pretty much is where we are <clears throat> from the end of the games. So, any questions? Because <laughs> that took a lot longer than I would have expected. But yeah, worries. There's a there's a lot to dig into for yeah. sure. So you can uh, easily there. I mean, has there ever been podcast on Halo lore specifically, like what we do with the Destiny lore? There is there 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 is um, some. There's one for Dawn. Dawn. Um, it is they're kind of sporadic in their. Um, Broadcast, but they are they are pretty they are very good. And one of the guys there, David Fuchs, I think, actually put together a book called Community Evolved, where he um, it's amazing. Interviewed a number of like prominent members of the Halo community, uh, Dust Storm being one, Goose Chucka being one um, that I remember in there, um, and just talked about their experiences in Halo. Um, the one again, uh, they're really good. Um, again, they don't see, don't broadcast a lot. Uh, one that is a weekly one is Podcast Evolved. 
Um, uh, it's let's see, Oren, Krista, David. Oh, geez, Alan, Alan, yeah. Um, they are primarily a Halo lore podcast. Um, so yeah, they touch on different thing, different parts of the Halo lore. Um, they do a pretty good job on it too. Uh, so, but yeah, <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, uh, I mean, most of the stuff you'll find from a lore perspective are a lot of YouTubers, um, Toa Freak, Hidden Xperia, um, Covenant Cannon, those guys, and they do amazing work. Um, they can get into a lot of detail and uh, know a lot more than I do and are better at it than I am. So False. False. Pitch pause. False. We will, we will disagree on that, but yeah. Well, fine. I agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. I disagree to disagree. I'm just here, and I'm glad you're too. (laughs) Well, thanks. All right. I don't know if you guys want to try to do do Halsey. Yes. Okay. All right. I want to know more about her, because she is, in my opinion, probably the most interesting character. Apparently, she has some of the most depth and looks and whatnot. Because John, I mean... John's kind of Everyone a, knows. a one-sided die. <laughs> oh, that's not true. It's so true. He's a one-sided that's die. True. That's not true at all, but I can see how people perceive it. Because the thing is, yes. is, like with John, I mean, reading, uh, is it The Flood? Is that the one? Yes. Where it, no, 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 no. The Flood, no, 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 is, no. Uh, the flood is where it's actually taking place in, like, during CE. And you really, really get a um, a really cool pro, uh, portrayal of John versus the is it the ODS? It's not the were they ODSTs or are they just regular Marines? ODSTs. Major ODSTs? Silva. Yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. Silva. Ah. ODSTs. It, it's funny. Um, he can actually, eat a bag for, or something. Yeah, for anyone who has the time and. I would re- strongly recommend finding Halo Legends, which is a uh, series of s- short films. It's on Netflix. Um, that was put- yeah, find it and watch it because at the very beginning, there is um, a one of the ones that I enjoy the most is there is it's narrated by Frank O'Connor and also Eric Nyland, who wrote Fall of Reach, and it talks about a summary of the Halo timeline up until that point in time. So essentially, what would be at the end of Halo 3. And then also, it's really, really good. Um, and they talk about the ODSTs. And it's, ODSTs dislike Spartans. Because all they see Spartans like, oh, if I had the same equipment that they have, I'd be awesome too. Not necessarily true. <laughs> if you <laughs> wouldn't break your leg and well, actually... And that's, and that's kind of where, that's where the Spartan... False. Well, but that's kind of where the Spartan force come in. Yeah, is because that they kind of mm-hmm. were like, okay, fine. I I kind of in my head canon of the entire thing, they're fine. Like, fine, we hear you. Stop, stop your blankety blank. Here, mm-hmm. here's some drugs. Here's some yeah, drugs Nathan and some. Alien. Here's some drugs and some cheap armor. Yeah. Go, go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they were they were closer to freaking Titanfall pilots than they were Spartan twos. Oh yeah, no, totally I agree. Think, I mean, like uh, the best. ODSTs are de- are more along the lines of what we would known as Delta Force or SEAL Team Six. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were highly skilled and trained and motivated fighters. The only difference 
you know, the, the difference is, is that they weren't heavily augmented and they, like the Spartans were, they weren't trained like the Spartans were from a very young age. So, yeah. Well, and I, think I wouldn't that- even call it trained. I would call it conditioned. You, there's the mm-hmm. there's the scene in Fall of Reach. Well, the the part in Fall of Reach where Master Chief goes into workout and there's some ODSTs and they're hassling him, and he just he clicks into another mode, and uh, mm-hmm. and just takes him apart. Except except he uh, doesn't. Not really. Not the until they mess with him. He just well, he kills. Okay, he kills one no, guy because he was Wait, ordered he kills to. Two. Because he was ordered to. Oh no! Yeah, but no, I'm not. I'm not criticizing Chief. What right. I'm saying is that it's such another level. Oh it's, yeah, it's yeah, such yeah. another level level of physical conditioning that um, to to compare the two to to call a Spartan anything near an ODST would be like calling an alligator a lizard. You know what I mean? It's right. It's well, that's what I was going to say. Is like yeah. I think one of the most telling things is the there's a scene in Halo Four. Um, where John is walking down the hall with uh, Palmer, and like mm-hmm. just the, the it, they're they're not even saying anything. It's just them walking, but it's like that to me personifies the difference between a Spartan two and a Spartan four. Like mm-hmm. Spartan two, Spartan twos are freaking tanks. They are not meant mm-hmm. to be like quick or anything like that. They just go through things. Uh. Whereas a Spartan four is kind of more of like, it's not really a mongoose, but it's more of like a warthog. Like they're, they're, they're powerful, but they're not, they are not a tank. Like they're not the scorpion tanks. Uh, to an extent, to an extent, that's not, I, I wouldn't call that wholly accurate, but it's kind of close. Spartan twos. See, here's the thing you have to remember. The augmentations that the Spartan twos went under were the same ones that the Spartan threes went under and pretty much the same that the Spartan fours went under. Now, right, right. the difference is medical advancements actually made the, made the whole thing safer. Um, but the, the other difference is the Spartan twos were taken from a very tight genetic profile for, there was a lot of the max risk, but there was max reward for it. Um, the Spartan threes, they had loosened up the, um, the requirements and then the Spartan fours, they were just taking trained soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, but wasn't there a genetic coding that had to be very specific for the Spartan twos? Yes. Halsey yeah, had yeah, a very, yeah, very yeah. tight, specific genetic code that, uh, so, and yes. Uh, so, and, con- and, and conveniently they were all in the outer colonies. Yep. Conveniently, I am giving you a great segue back into mm-hmm. Catherine Halsey. Okay, so Catherine Halsey was born on the colony world of Endymion uh, in the city of Port Vernon. Oddly enough, and ironically enough, she was born in the outer colonies. <gasps> yep. yep. Traitor. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. She was exceedingly gifted, and as Blue said, by the age of 15, she had completed her second doctoral thesis, um, in which she discussed archaic line commands. She was talking about DOS. Um, (laughs) She was a a star pupil of a Admiral Jerome, Jerome, who was was in charge of um, UNSC medical and science. Um, in 2507, she met Dr. Elias Carver at a social mixer where Carver was, uh, discussing what was called the matrix, the matrix mechanics of the socio and political economic vectors of human expansion. Essentially, Dr. Carver had come up with a theory 
that said that eventually, because of human human expansion in space and human nature, that eventually war would break out. And that if the UNSC wanted to avoid this war, they needed to actually strike first in a military fashion to take out the, the, the essentially defeat the enemy before it actually really the leg underneath them. Um, it was during this that um, Halsey kind of contradicted Carver publicly, um, saying that while his, the general theory was right, the factors that he was using were wrong. Needless to say, he didn't take well to this young upstart. Um, and it seems that the two of them butt heads quite a bit um, because it is set two years later, Carver actually takes his own life. The reason being is he was conflict. He what came under extreme conflict by his theories. Um, the thought being that, okay, did my science, pro- you know, did did my science prove that this was going to happen, or did my, in using my science actually cause this to happen? Meaning the insurrection. Um, what, what did he take a series of facts, come to something that's come to a resolution? that would not have occurred had he not come to it kind of a paradox kind of kind of a thing um so it ended up driving him to commit suicide so um halsey at this point in time comes under the eye of uh vice admiral michael stanforth um who was then a captain um and he would aid her in um her projects and Three weeks after the social mixer where she met um, Carver, she was contracted by the UNSC to grant uh, proposals for artificial intelligence. Now, she had to do a test model first, though, to prove everything, and it was Carver's model. So what she ended up doing is she used the same test that Carver did, but she ran her model would be uh, Carver used a, a factor of seven. She used a factor of 16. And um, it was at that point in time that um, it impressed the UNSC that they brought her on. Now, one of the things about this is, um, and this kind of includes Halsey, Halsey um, volunteering to join the UNSC and ONI. This was actually Oni uh, and the UNSC uh, knowing that they weren't smart enough to convince her on her for them to convince (laughs) her to join. So they made her convince herself to join. As you do with a woman. For for anyone who's intelligent. Anyone who was that intelligent, um, they, they would, like, you can't convince them. They need to be, they need to convince themselves. So... Based upon uh, all the factors that were given to them, uh, given to her, she realized that the Civil War was coming a lot faster and it would be a lot worse than um, what anyone had thought. Um, you know, millions would die, uh, or billions would die, actually. Mm-hmm. And there was potential for humanity to be tossed back into the Dark Ages. And so, she was partly right. Mm-hmm. So... After she joins, um, she begins to review the original Orion uh, program, and 
in it, she saw that the, the she saw that there were some good things, but she saw where all the shortcomings were. Eventually, she came to the realization that the only way to do this kind of of project where you would combat the insurrection was you had to take children, prepubescent children, train them from a very young age, essentially indoctrinate them for complete loyalty, not brainwashing, at least the way she saw it, no chemical brainwashing, and then augment them because they were young enough they could, they'd be able to, their bodies were young enough that they'd be able to handle the augmentation. Like now, the idea that through puberty that they would be Right. That they would adhere to it. But. Yeah, they're still stretchy. Well, here's... Yeah, actually, Justin, that's a good way of putting it. Um, the thing is, at this point in time, and this is something from Halsey's journal, she says in there that there are serious moral and ethical implications on this that she has to mm-hmm. really consider. So at this point... She is, you know, she in looking at the science, she says, yes, this is how it should be done. But she's not convinced herself it should be done. Well, because the other the other reason is at this time, you have to remember, too, that Halsey has a child. No, not yet. I thought, yeah, yeah. no, no, she did. Yes, she did. Not yet. Was it 2511? Didn't she ever? No, not yet. Or was that not until? That was... Hang on one second. Because um, she and Keys broke up 2517. 20, that, was, that was a hard one for everybody to take. No, actually, she meets... Oh, that's right, because she meets Keys at the start of the... Right. It, yeah. Uh, it's, it's in, the in 2517... Yes, in 2517... Um, Okay, in twenty five, yeah, in twenty five seventeen, Keys is assigned to Halsey for them to start searching, like checking up on the children that they had tagged to, for the Spartan Two program. Um, the very first one she met was John, and which is actually a great scene in Fall of Reach. Later that year, she actually reassigns Keys because she realized he's a very good man. Who once he once he started to figure out what they were doing. It's like she didn't want to essentially taint him. In twenty five twenty four, they reconnect. Yeah, and it is yes. And as, how did she put it? it she was um, so very glad it was him. Yeah, she said, "I don't know if it was leaving. the I don't know if it was the dizzying pressure that I've been under, or the chance reunion with a kindred spirit in a strange place, or something else. But I'm glad it was him." Yes. So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm like ten years early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she does have Is her own kid. She does have yeah, she her does. own child. Miranda. After Miranda all Keys. this, all this stuff. Yeah. Who also she who, who she but, hates because oops. Miranda, as as she's pregnant, she can't drink coffee. Yes. She holds she holds it against Miranda. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Green. I'm sorry, Green. You were going to say something. I'm just, I'm just so, con- like, psychologically, and Lou, help me out here, because this is your area than mine. Is she, is she attached to the children? I mean, I know she has an affinity. 
the subjects? Uh, yeah. Oh, she knows I mean, she, she can't be. Well, yes. So there's a, there's a very strong attempt on her part to detach herself from it. And that actually is one of the mm-hmm. beautiful things. I, I'll try to, you'll, we'll need to get you guys copies of the journal because, um, yeah. she actually talks about that quite a bit. And mm-hmm. that is why when you see her <clears throat> later in the ser- in the game series, how like when she interacts with John, her interactions are very maternal. Like they're very, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very yeah. maternal relationship with them. Right. Um, it's because via the whole, uh, I mean, d- you have to understand they were, she raised these kids. And then yes. she basically yeah. subjected them to these experiments that ki- I mean the mortality rate of them was right. ridiculously so high. And well, and John seemed to particularly get under her skin though. Who? Mm-hmm. John did. John seemed oh, yeah. to particularly Well, get and under John skin. you can distance yourself from a lot of them, but Right. And part of that was also, I think, because she kind of I can't remember if she specifically says that, but it's it's like she almost seems a bit of sees a bit of a reflection of herself within John, like the the just drive that John has Um, Mm -hmm. and like John. It's so funny. John is like. I think was it Mendez that is in Hunt of Hunt the Truth, he kind of explains the the thing that sets John (laughs) apart. He's like he's not yep. the brightest, but he's the he's got that he's got that intellect that he makes a snap decision in the span of a time yeah. that like most people don't even realize that they need to make a decision. John's already made a decision, and it's made the plan, right. and it's like inerrantly always right. And then Cortana also kind of I think that was three Halo 3's introductory clip. She's talking yep. to John about how how she chose him um, mm-hmm. because because he was lucky. lucky. And that that entire scene from Reach was amazing right. as well. Um, when yeah. Cor- when Cortana's like, "Nope, I'm I'm picking him." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, isn't that kind of the same thing that when Halsey was picking everybody? Well, but you have to remember that huh. kind of ties into where Cortana comes when from. Halsey and Cortana, yes. right? I mean, yeah, which, rem- no, yeah. go for it, Pins. Go for it, Pins. No, no, and and, and I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to step over you, but um, let me just read this here. This is from Halsey's journal. This is right after the entry of um, where she re- she suggests using children. Um, my logic is sound, but ethical and moral ramifications linger. So much to reflect on. I need time to think. Now, it's a few months later that this is the entry, and this is the this is the point where Halsey, Catherine Halsey, is not a nice person. She's not a good nope. person. I uh, she she deserves punished for everything she's done. However, she accepted that role willingly because she knew there was something, something more. And I know Damo, if he was here, would be freaking out because I know (laughs) I I do not like the whole concept of the greater good. It, it's not something that I'm very fond of. However, that is what drove Halsey for the decision she made. Now, this is, her entry from February 23rd, 2511. My God, they detonated a nuclear device at Haven. 
Preliminary radiological yeah. analysis indicates the bomb was spiked to disperse toxic materials high into the colony's atmosphere. Millions dead. Millions more projected to die from the fallout. Countless birth, birth defects for generations to come. The Freedom and Liberation Party has claimed responsibility, demanding the CMA withdraw from their Aerodonis sector. By the way, the Aerodonis sector, that's John's home. Play, home uh, mm-hmm. That's John's home. How could they commit such an atrocity and against those who are supposedly their allies? They are insane. They must be stopped. I have to stop this. It is at this point. It is. It is at this point that Halsey says uh, she accepts that there are moral and ethical implications, but she realizes that she has that what she has to do is it's exceedingly important. Um, again, it's kind of a, it's a greater good argument. It's one that I utterly hate, mm-hmm. but so, I can understand it. Yeah, I mean, you can do some really awful things in the name of the greater good. Yep. Oh <laughs> and, yeah, uh, no, and she, and she did. History just kind of history kind of is the the measuring <clears throat> stick at that point, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually a moment, I think, in Fall of Reach where she's actually reached out to a colleague about her augmentation procedure and whether or not he thinks it's viable. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it's actually Deja is actually reading it back to her. And the guy pretty much just goes into, oh, we, we could have all these problems. And he lists them all out. And then at the end, he says, I hope that these questions are purely theoretical. Um like, I really hope you're not going to actually do this to somebody. Right. Um, and she has a very similar conversation with Deja where she's like, you know, this, these children, no, wait, I can't call them children. Mm-hmm. Subjects are going to die. You know, I think I don't have my quotes exactly right, but no. Yeah. Um, well, that's why she refers. Definitely, she, oh, go for it, Green, go for it. The thing that drives me crazy is that with her being the catalyst, the Dr. Evil aspect of this whole thing, you, you get to see it from her perspective, which is nice because you generally don't. But, Blue, you and I have gotten into the super soldiers and augmentation and that kind of morally gray and mm-hmm. just terrible idea. Say that history dictates the victor dictates what's okay it's still a really crappy thing that she did i mean she literally stole the children from these parents without the parents knowing and replaced them with clones yep it's what she did wasn't necessarily a great moral high ground for the it just so happens that these people ended up saving us and humanity Mm mm-hmm it's it again. It's um, and you see it. I mean, it it's it's a theme that you see quite a bit in um, Ghost of Onyx and First Strike. Um, there are a number of scenes which show that yeah, Catherine yeah. Halsey. I mean, she knows she's wrong. She's she realizes that she's wrong, but she also knows that it's something that has to be done, and. Um, when we first, when the first time we did this podcast, uh, I blew, I don't know if you remember the thematic analysis. I, yes, yes. I, did he, did he I update think, it? No, no <laughs> I don't, uh, okay. 
I was out as I was surfing on fanfiction.net, I came across uh, this thematic analysis of Halo 5. The author is Cor Tenabre, and I can't remember how to spell it right now. It's amazing. But essentially, he went over what essentially the major themes of Halo 5. And his first chapter, he kind of went over how really Halo 5, it's, it's the problem was execution of the story, and it was more a retelling of the story of Genesis from the Bible. And I can definitely see where he's coming from, and it's really interesting. But in the second chapter is when he touches on now, he, what he's speaking of at the, in that is more of Cortana's decision to do what she does. It's like, because both Brian Reed and Frank O'Connor says Cortana is not evil. She's just made a choice. And one of the things that it's like, at what point does a moral stand become an immoral act? Again, we're talking about greater good. And like you said, Justin, there's so many horrible things that have been done for the greater good. But, yes. I mean, it's it's one of those, but you look at it and you're like, mm. um, yeah. it, it, it's, 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 it's an argument that you can make. And again, and again I, I, even I'll sit, I'll sit there and say is that Halsey deserves to be punished for what she did. And I think right. her character even accepts that. But yeah, yeah but she is. should she should be punished for what she did. Is the debate, right. whereas yeah, Oni 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 throws her under the bus for everything, which is yes. where my problem comes in. Can you say that Halsey's experiments essentially purely based on the greater good, or was it still? I mean, she's a very determined woman who has accomplished a lot in a very short amount of time. It's hard to say that whether or not it was. Part this how far can i go can i yeah. actually make this work i think um very early on it was definitely that because but i think that in just that one section that i read from her journal it now mind you this is the impression that i get from it is that um she was actually hesitant to do do this because she knew there were some Horrible She knew what the implications meant, but she was pushed over the edge to make that decision. Yeah, when she realized how horrible things were getting, and she felt she couldn't stand on the sidelines when she had the ability to do something and let this occur. Now, it's a huge price that her and uh, that was asked for all those children that were taken um, and and mm-hmm. the families that were affected by it. It was, you know, what can you say? There is no, there's nothing to be said about that. And frankly, um, just to reference back to the books, if you read the book Mortal Dictata, which mm-hmm. is the third book in the Kilo 5 trilogy, it starts off with a, a father um, of one of the of Naomi zero oh zero one who was kidnapped and it's it kind of goes into the whole concept of you know when she was kidnapped in, and the re- the replacement with the flash clone and him realizing that this really wasn't his daughter and what it drove him to do and become um, I'm not a big fan of that series um, 
but that is a very powerful. I mean, that that intro is a very powerful one, and it, and it really really shows the impact of of the decision of what Halsey did on normal people. Yeah, and it's it's just like anything else. If you if you take Halsey's, you know, accomplishments or or crimes, however you choose to view it. If you stay very broad strokes with it, um, she comes out on top every time. Like she, you know, her actions will always be justified if you do that. But if you take a much more um, kind of a granular view of it and and view things on a case by case, person by person basis and break down kind of her transgressions in that way. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, with the with the um, intro of that book taking one of these uh, kind of scattered stories, you know, like the wreckage that she left behind her, um, it tells a very different story. Um, and yeah, you kind of say that, that Halsey accepts, you know, the, the judgment from her crime, but she really kind of doesn't. I, I think she always views herself as operating kind of on a different plane than is everyone else. Because when she's, when she's like, you know, ordered you know to be executed she she manages to exfil herself from that situation um well but i think again she's also fighting against she doesn't have a problem paying the price for what she did but at right. that point that she was yeah. being ordered to be executed that was Perrin uh, Perrin is that Perengoski? no was that who was trying to uh, scapegoat yeah. her yeah. Um, they were they were execu- they were executing her for Olsen something. Or, okay, no, uh, Olsen, I don't think so. But it, the reason why she was like kind of skirty about the execution that I think you're talking about was that was when Oni was like they were sweeping everything under the rug by executing her, and so they were going to get away with what they had done, which in some cases was if not as bad, worse than what she had done. And so she, I mean, again, this is a character who I don't think has a problem accepting the payment, you know, except the Piper has to be paid. Like, you know, that's, that's something that was, but she was Admiral Osmond. Osmond. Okay. Um, but she, she also has a really big sense of, she's not going to pay the Piper for someone else, especially. I actually don't, I don't think it had much to do with her sense of right and wrong and, and fair and not fair as far as Oni was concerned. I think she still legitimately believes herself too important to be executed. Uh, I can see that. I think at that point, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, but, again, it, 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 you have to understand, um, and this was brought up in, I think, Glasslands, uh, which was the first book. This is when Halsey... You know, when, when Oni finally catches up with Halsey, um, there's a discussion in there where um, Margaret Parangoski, um, who is head of o- Oni, um, confronts Halsey. And it was it wasn't the kidnapping of the children. It wasn't the augmentation of the children. It was the fact that she left flash clones for the children. Yeah. Um, that's what well, no no but right, but Perengoski kind of had a weird thing though because she wasn't even upset that she left flash clones she was upset that she did it without getting approval right 
Yeah. She she didn't and, actually and, even care what it was. She was pissed that it hadn't been approved. Is what and then that was when they started kind of heaping everything on her. Right. And and I mean and and that's really what it was. It was the two the Halsey and Parangoski never got on. And uh, a lot of that was this feeling that um at the point where she was essentially chief science officer for Oni, um she got all this funding for the Spartans and everything. And she was also very critical in development of smart AI, uh, Cortana, um, despite the fact that her methods for that were hinky. Um, she essentially <laughs> made, she, she essentially cloned her brain 20 times. And you know from red versus blue, how well that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, also, I mean, um, you know, we know Cortana was was made, and I believe Kalmaya might have been one of the might have been one. I can't remember if it was or it wasn't, um, but because Kalmaya was considered the older sister of Cortana, um, and actually, it, there she actually had a theory that if you to move past the rampancy thing. She came up with a number of different ideas, one of which was creating an AI in a slip space bubble, which she actually did. Um, For anyone who um, has gotten Halsey's journal, you'll notice that there is like four pages that are torn out of the book. That is deliberate. (laughs) Three, four, three. It drove uh, me insane. Oh, yeah. Trust me. It drove me nuts, too. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. I didn't didn't get to this. There is so, so... In was it Halo Three that we got journal? No, it was um, in Halo Reach. If oh, you Reach, bought the legend, right. if you bought the legendary edition or the mythic edition, I can't remember the full names, but either the one with the statue or the one below it, the collector's edition. I think it was collectors and legendary. But in any event, one of actually one of the greatest pieces of Halo lore um, in my mind is Halsey's journal. It's mm-hmm. It, it's a it's this neat little journal thing. You know, it has a it has one of those flaps that's kind of like a semi magnetic kind of flap to it. It's and it's and it's handwritten. It looks like it's all handwritten with different um, drawings in it and everything. And in it, um, it details all this all this different stuff about you know her. Her interactions with Carver, the whole thing with joining Oni, um, evaluating stuff about the Orion Project. Um, and in it, partway through, where she starts talking about um, – yeah, um, she starts talking about um, AI. And one of the ways – um, you know, obviously, ramp- what rampancy is on an AI is essentially um, it grow- runs out of space for it to, to grow, um, and it drives itself insane. Um, and it's um, in there, in that section, you can see that it looks like someone took a razor and cut, like, two pages out of it. And it, it's like, what? wait a minute. Is something wrong here? Did I get did I get a bad copy? No, it was on everyone. It was done deliberately. It was it was done deliberately. So 
I still am blown away by this thing because like pins pins kind of mentioned this. It's it, it, I, I don't know how they did it, but it is actually like it's handwritten. And I love the coffee stains like the coffee yes. stains are best. But like mm-hmm. the sketches, like the pens, the difference between pencil and pen is very noticeable. Like I just the the uh, it blows me away. Yeah, it's wow. probably what Cade's journal should have been. Um. Yeah, I mean, just a, Cade's just Cade's a little journal, bit more content. Well, Cade's journal was written inside of Treasure, so it yeah, was written, yeah, it was just, written inside, uh, but it was an, it's an annotated version of Treasure Island. But right, right, right. right. So here's my question: Then, mm-hmm. what were the missing pages? You had started going into that. Yes. The fact that pages were missing out of a book kind of made my brain go on tilt. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, the missing pages were actually, like I said, it was right in the section where she's talking about AI and how to move past the um, um, rampancy. Rampancy. Thank you. Um, in it, one of the things that was said was, you know, if she can, um, in theory, if you create an AI in a slip space bubble. Now, the thing about slip space is it's a totally different dimension. So, being that, essentially, you could create an AI without limits. Now, in there, it talks about the, F- the FTL, uh, the, the, the faster-than-light drive from a frigate called Tripping Light that was being decommissioned. And then all of a sudden, it kind of just hops over and does something, you know, goes someplace else. Well, the missing pages were actually, let me do this here. The missing pages were actually, um, um, her taking one of the brains that she cloned and disabling all the safety protocols on the, on the FTL drive and creating the AI, creating a slip space bubble and creating the AI in the slip space bubble. Now it describes like loss of time and, and all this other stuff. And essentially the AI grew so fast and so knowledgeable, it grew so beyond her. And um, she ended up killing the bubble and the drive and she hoped she killed the AI because it it had just it had grown immense. Okay, um, so the concept of the AI growing so big and rampancy in general is the computers. If you get to a certain point, you have too much information, so it starts rewriting itself. Is that why the slip space kind of? I mean, I know it's, yes. that's a very super simplified version of it. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, kind of. In um, the idea is that if you create the whatever when ai is the smart ai in the halo universe is all created from a human brain but it's how it's created generates limits as in how much information can have and everything and which is why there's a seven-year limit on smart ai and then they're disposed of um the theory was if you create it in and it all deals with cross linkages um and, and how they become so dense that essentially an, an AI can't think. 
what ends up happening is it, the theory was is if you created the AI in a slip space bubble or in slip space, because it's a totally different dimension where time and, and space really have no boundaries, guess what? You just created something that would have no boundaries so it could grow as much as it needed to. Yeah, but here's here's my whole deal. And and this is probably opening a can of worms we're not even trying to. Isn't time relative inside the bubble? So seven yeah. years in the bubble is seven years in the bubble. It might be right, but, 107 years everywhere else, but... Right, but that's the point is it's still seven years, but it's like it could technically be 100 years in reality, which... Right. Mm-hmm. But at some point that 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 AI will will become rampant inside. In 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 theory, I, I I mean obviously not knowing the full theory of it, um, I would probably say yes, but its capacity would be so far beyond any other smart AI. Um, you know, it it, it could last hundreds of thousands of years which is where we kind of get introduced to Cortana and Halo 5 with the yes. domain. Um, right. Which is a throwback. Kind of, sort of, yeah. I mean, well, because she gets, it's basically, you know, the fountain of youth for the AI. Mm-hmm. Which, yes. that was my going to be my next question, is written science in Halo 4. I mean, that's the whole story during Halo 4 is her going through all that. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would she? Okay, oh, maybe because I haven't finished Halo Five, but I don't know the. Answer. Why would she show signs of rampancy oh. if she was created? I know this is gonna be spoilers for me. I'm an okay, and I'm okay with. It. Well, no, well, because like yeah. so, and pins jump in when I get wrong yeah. because I know I'm probably going to. Um, the explanation is that Cortana, as an AI, has, and I think most smart AIs are capable of doing this, but Cortana kind of has perfected this little practice. Has the ability to do what's called basically splintering. Uh, mm-hmm. She creates she creates that. splinters of herself to so that she can multitask, um, and she's been able to do this pretty much since we've known Cortana. Like she yes. did it. She did it. I think Since one of the first things that she did. Yeah, she mm-hmm. did it to distract the covenant. Um, so this is nothing new for Cortana. And I think the theory here was that she actually. So in the conclusion of Halo Four, she splinters herself to distract the didact and allow John to kind of kick him in the nads. Um, yes. And those splinters on his face. Right. Um, those splinters presumably all die. However, there is a opening in split slip space that technically the, I think, and I don't remember, is this officially canon that she did actually have a splinter that fell into slip space? What, what ended up happening is with every four, every forerunner piece of equipment has an, when it is, or, okay. Yeah. No. Well, what it has is an escape, um, program that if it's going to under if it's under immediate threat of destruction, it will open up a slip space bubble and try to jump. Now, um, at the end of Halo Four, Cortana splitting herself and whatnot, and her rampant pieces are the ones that pin down the didact, allowing John to put the plasma 
grenade into his chest. She and it's the line she says at the end of Halo Four is most of me is down there. Yeah. What was what was below the um the didact ship was a slip space portal. So essentially there was the one fragment that made Cortana, the Cortana we knew was the one that got John off the ship. The others were all in slip space. And it was at that point in time that through slip space, they found the domain and essentially she reformed herself in the domain. Now, Mm -hmm. What did I? What did we just talk about with creating an AI in slip space? What happens? It has tons Spans. more space. So yeah, she. Well, well and she, it's like it's like switching from a hard drive to a cloud drive. Like I mean, right. you you don't you don't. Ha- I mean, you still have limits technically, mm-hmm. but you really don't. Like yeah, I mean, I mean uh, you can just keep expanding. Griff said, "Yeah, she 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 touched the domain, but the domain was actually a con a precursor construct that was tied to the um um that was it was a precursor construct tied to um subspace. So yeah, it's and wasn't, um, and wasn't the domain almost a psychological link as well? Yes, because yes. uh, Born Stellar." I think rem- I remember him mentioning that he had lost the ability to connect with the domain, mm-hmm. and he was like, "He it was something that seemed like you if you're sitting, well, you know, doing it was nothing, because of the firing connect. of the Halo race, right, right, right. No, but I mean, like the way the way he he spoke of it, it was like, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to connect to the domain and you know look up something, or you know, like there was a it, it was almost like a wireless internet, basically that it kind connected of, kind of connected yeah. things. So yeah. Um, kind of like that. Uh, I mean, the domain essentially was the forerunner internet, but it was also it was also tied to slip space um, through uh, uh, its neural network kind of a thing. And um, so, yeah, Cortana did connect to the domain, and actually, in um, Tales from Slip Space, there is a which is a the latest graphic novel, it actually goes through her interactions with the Warden Eternal there. Oh, that's right. So, that's right. <laughs> so, my so there's Promethean dude ever. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which one? Which one of them? There were so many. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hated that one. Um, uh, yeah. So what's... That and that, and that comes... Oh. Uh, what was the, what's the main difference between a smart AI and an Ancilla? Um, because I think that's, you know, Griff, Griff is mentioning that in chat. Kind of, um, um, does an Ancilla have rampancy? It can. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess I remember, right. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I mean, a smart AI, smart AI, okay, smart AI is pretty simple. Smart AI is created from a human brain. And at that point in time, it has essentially unlimited, it has the ability to learn everything and do everything. It's not tied down to what, like, a, a dumb AI is actually constructed in a lab. 
it has no human brain to it, and it is an expert in one field. Deja was a dumb AI, and she was an expert in military history. Right. Cortana, Serena, uh, Isabel. Um, you know, these are all smart AIs. They were BB. created from human brains. BB. <laughs> May he rot in hell. Um, yeah. I don't like BB at all. Um, so it was um, – so smart AIs, again, they're made from a human brain, and they have a limit of – the trade-off for being really powerful is their lifespan is about seven years. When you're talking about ancillas, it's kind of the forerunner definition of um, an AI. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of the same. I think that in many cases they were they're more advanced than the human smart AIs. Uh, they could last longer. You know, three, four, three, guilty spark being obviously one of them. Um, you know, and, um, so yeah, there's, uh, the, the best way, Ancilla was a forerunner term for construct. Um, oh, so okay. Okay. You, okay. You, you had monitors, which was an AI, uh, you had Ancillas that were in armor, you had Ancillas that would, um, that would work with the juridicals. So, you know, it's, excuse me. It was, um, yeah, they're all, I mean, they're all pretty much AI. Um, and they, it's just how they're created at some point. I mean, Chaka, when he became three, four, three was composed. Yeah. And and then he was turned into a monitor. Yes. And um, I mean, hell, every Promethean knight, every Promethean knight or armor or um, soldier that we face technically is an AI. They have an AI. They have a brain matrix to them. So um, they are probably they're not a you know they are kind of smart because they do have tactical abilities. Um, but so yeah, but that's that's not like true smart, is it? Are they? Well, I mean, it, are they, then, are then they learning? Are a, they? You're going to get into a debate on what's the difference between a smart and a dumb, which yeah. would be a pretty fine line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like, I mean, because that's, I mean, Deja is Deja is a perfect example of that. Like, mm-hmm. Deja is a quote dumb AI, but she's pretty freaking smart when it comes to they're just they're compartmentalized in their their right. knowledge, whereas a smart AI generally is um, more robust and more well-rounded if that makes sense I've I've decided that the only AI I'm going to trust from here on out is Roland because he's got a sense of style and I (laughs) appreciate and he actually cares for people yes yeah (laughs) Roland I saw saw a meme love Find someone who loves you like Roland loves his flight cap. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. I love that that moment when he's like, you know, you guys are just – you're just assuming Cortana's going to do – oh, she is going to do the – oh, she's doing the bad. 
<laughs> I just like I like the scene where he finally just gets fed up with him ignoring him. Yes. And like he's yeah. like yeah, because she's just an AI, right? And it's like he basically calls all of the because it was who was it? It was uh last last Cortana. Yeah. No, but yeah. Cortana wasn't in the room. Because it I'm was sorry, Lasky Palmer and Halsey. Halsey, yeah, yeah. Halsey, yeah. Halsey, Halsey. Well, like, Cortana's he, everywhere, but. and like he like yeah. basically just tells them all to shut up. It was mm-hmm. the best one, and yeah, then there's Sif and Mac. Oh, yeah, man. well, <laughs> the the other the other thing about that is is not to, and we've gotten so far off Halsey, but um, there was a short story. It was a digital novella. It was released, and it was written by Frank O'Connor. It was called Saint's Testimony. Um, it's about the AI Iona, who uh, was a smart AI, um, kind of created in, in oh, at yeah, the, at, around the same time that uh, Cortana was created, although not from one of Halsey's brains. And it talks about you know the whole rampancy thing and how Iona would kind of quote unquote dream to help um, stave off rampancy. Um, where she would shut pretty much everything down and she would just let one small section of her matrix just go. Mm-hmm. And she would dream of flying and everything. And it's really cool, really well written. It's this whole thing of this, this. Um, it's supposed to be this UNSC um, um, trial, she was, essentially. She was black team, wasn't she? Yes, she was the AI for black team. And, um, Halo Bloodlines, the, that graphic model. In the end, it ended up that the trial and everything was a construct of BB, who um, Black Box, who put it all together with the theory of trying to convince humans that AI, hum, that AI were more than just um, pieces of equipment. And the other thing is the one that was the questioner was Roland. Mm-hmm. So that scene in Halo five, I mean, it's, it's an interesting scene, but if you read the books, if you read that, it became so much more powerful. So, yeah. Um, real quick before we yeah. get lost into another rabbit hole, um, <laughs> we did it. We did actually have an email, um, and this one, this one was a really, actually a really good one. I really like this one. It's from uh, Dat Josh Life, and he says, uh, "Greetings, Focus Fire Chat. I'll admit I actually have not heard much about you guys. We forgive you. Everyone, everyone needs to be introduced to the insanity eventually. Um, however, with your recent, however, with your recent announcement on doing a segment of the lore of a series very dear to me, I had to hop in on this." I've read most of the books published pre-343 and many after. However, as more stories make reference to June post-fall of Reach, I'm starting to get curious as as to if in any fiction I might have missed, they fixed the problem with the beloved noble team in the Halo lore. Situations like in the game, Halsey knowing about the Spartan 3s, yet only learning about them after the events of the game if we believe Halo first strike. Halo Reach was a great game, and the campaign is one of my favorites in all of gaming, but it still has the problem of creating too many inconsistencies with Fall of Reach and First Strike. It feels like they've done nothing and just placed June as a character in the later books. Does this bother or annoy you guys at all, or do you think it's just the problem with creating new material with content written almost a decade ago? And if I have missed something, I would love to know and to hear about it. Looking forward to the stream. Sincerely, Josh. 
so pins i know we've actually kind of talked about this <laughs> a lot <laughs> about yeah. about i mean especially about reach like halo reach you know from a game mechanic standpoint awesome yeah from, from how it fits into the greater storytelling it's i mean it doesn't <laughs> yeah i'd like to think it would but no i've had people ask me how to rate my favorite halo games and even with the, the way halo 5 story was in the campaign i would still put that above reach maybe not as much but i would still put it above reach because and a lot of the things that occurred in reach were done because one it was bungie's last halo game and they what they wanted to do was essentially say no this is how we want this is how we want the story to be yeah um, not necessarily the way it was written in these books that we really didn't want to have done uh, but that's another discussion for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halo Reach had a very good story and a campaign. Uh, had had good characters, even though they really weren't. You know, they were kind of like, "Well, who are these Spartan threes? You know, right. yeah. why are they at and, Reach? Yeah, and you know, all of a sudden, the you know, which in the book was, um, you know, a one day fight was months um so um a lot of it is that when with reach with the way way things were left 343 had to do a lot of backtracking and a lot of retconning to try and make things fit because they wanted to try to keep the lore uniform so um you know the, the the thing with halsey that's why in her journal it actually says at some point that she comes across the idea that who are these other Spartans? There's this other Spartan program out there um, and eventually becomes the threes or mm-hmm. she realizes that they're the threes. And it's not until after fall of reach that she actually interacts with the, um, with the threes more. And um, on a total side note, there's a great piece um, that I can't remember who wrote it. Um, it's called a fistful of arrows and it is a comic. It was written by a member of the halo community and essentially it picks up, uh, where June is escorting Halsey away from sort, uh, away from castle base. It's really good. Um, probably will never be considered truly canon, but it's, it's a plausible way of seeing Halsey escape and, and what happened to June. And I think a lot of it is, um, you know, with the concept of bringing June along and everything is that, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to keep threads throughout the story that link back to the previous, like link back to other parts of the Halo lore. Um, you know, June is one of the ones like his involvement with the Spartan 4 program only makes sense. He was a Spartan three. Why not have a Spartan three be involved with the new Spartan Spartan four program? Someone who's been through it. So, um, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the Halo universe, and the more I listen to it, and the more I kind of disassemble, reassemble it in my brain, is it functions very much so like a comic series, well developed yeah. comic 
universe. There have been multiple writers over the years. There's been multiple story writers as well as writers and comics and stuff like that. And with a universe this big, it's difficult to keep things contained. I mean, just look at Star Wars, the expanded universe on that just got so massive that it was incredibly difficult to keep everything cohesive. So it makes sense that they had issues and that some of the things felt like retcons. Yeah. A lot of it did feel like retcons. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things that 343 has really tried to do is keep the story from getting... Getting the story... Get letting the, one of the things with Star Wars, they let... They let the story get away from them. They let the, the the extended universe get away from them, which is why they had to do the reset that they did. I think three four three is really trying to well, avoid let's, that. I let's let's correct that. It wasn't a they let the story get away from them. It was a singular person. He, he let yes, the person let the story get away from him. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It might be a little bit of a sore topic. <laughs> oh, trust me. I know someone who. Totally agree with you on that uh, <laughs> because it's just a sort of a topic for him. Um, but yeah, and I think what three four three is trying to do is they're trying to keep everything in. They're trying to keep it, for lack of a better term, tight. They're trying to keep everything connected. Um, do I think that they need to put as much emphasis on the lore and stuff like in the multiplayer side? No, they don't. Um, not everything has to have a lore reason, but what they what they do right, they want to try to make sure is solid and fits within certain parameters uh, of the story. So, and I think you know, I think that kind of answers the does that bother or annoy you question too. I mean, and it's it's one of those things that it's it's kind of the as awesome as it is to do video game stories, it's also kind of mm-hmm. the cost that we do that we, we all accept when we get into video games for the stories is sometimes mechanics trump the story. It's just yeah. the way it is. And, and it's just the reality of it. It's nothing. I'm not going to, I'm not pointing fingers or, you know, jumping up on a soapbox for it. It's just, you know, the delivery of the content sometimes does need to take priority over the content and that yep. you know it just there's no simple fix um but yeah and I, I do i do think that keeping a tighter lid on the story like 343 has done i think is a is a good and they i mean they've they're also still you know figuring out <laughs> figuring out the exact balance too i mean oh yeah what what yeah. is halo 5 is their second title third title uh, yep that's only their second they're, so okay 343 has come out and like yes they're spartan assault and spartan you know Strike, yeah but i mean i mean which, full name like, halo for, for 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 main for mainline story games it's halo 4 halo 5 um i mean there were a lot of criticisms about halo 4 there were a lot of criticize criticism about halo 5 story uh yeah the multiplayer I, was what, oh god, yeah. What everyone is really hoping is that Halo Six nails both, right? And I mean, that's the thing is, look at the look at the growth from Halo Four to Halo Five. <laughs> Halo Four was 
I mean, honestly, Halo 4 was their Halo CE. Well, they kind of were yeah. involved in Reach, but they weren't at the same like mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Whatever. But Halo 4, the biggest problem with Halo 4's campaign story was that if you didn't read the books, you had no clue what was going on. Okay. Right. Okay, that's fine. You know, comp that's a that's a actually honestly, of all the mistakes to make, I'll accept that mistake. Um but they re- they rectified that with Halo 5. They really did. They stepped back and they kind of explained stuff. I mean, there were still things that were kind of like, what's going Like, who are these people? Yes. But the story in general was much more included. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, that's the thing is, I, I, I think, does it annoy me? Uh, I think annoy is a bit of a strong word for it. It, it sometimes gets me ruffled like my feathers get bent a little bit but not enough to actually do anything other than roll my eyes and go on yeah because usually usually i mean it's just and green green's talking about this in chat right now it's you know it's just like comic books (laughs) give give it some time they'll fix it Without, without without fail, it will all. And no one shall die tonight. And the one, and the one storyline that you thought was totally abandoned will come back. Oh yeah, it all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. So, as long as the developer loves, let's just the be time. honest. <laughs> Everybody just wants June back because his mask was awesome, uh, and because, because his visor was the his, best, his and he quotes, had a kukri. Kukri, so it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love the fact that they gave him a kukri, but yeah, hit that and his quotes, like the way he, his personality was amazing. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and so yeah, I, I really appreciate that email. I think that's a great question, and I think you know the the only debate that I have really, the only part that I actually I do is actually not any dealing with the game. It's when you get conflicts between different forms of media. Outside a game, so case in point, yes. case in point, Fall of Reach. Mm-hmm. Which one? Which one's canon now? You know that's that's uh, the book. The book. Uh, the book. I, 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 I. You know, I agree with you, and because the book, in my opinion, is much better presented. Like I, it's, it's more comprehensive. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot in the books. Books. You know, this is a common complaint. Books are books. For, yeah, books are books, and this is a common complaint for anyone who's read a book and then gone seen a movie about that book. It's never quite up to par. Very true. But, I mean, so when there's a direct conflict, like like Fall of Reach, I mean, the, the only question that kind of bugs me is which one, which one do I follow then? Because the implications right. can be very different. Um, but, I mean, that's that's the only thing that really, with this type of question, that I really kind of pause on as far as that yeah and and um one of the things um that i know has been a debate in the halo lore community is when it came announced they want to go with a simpler story um and i know a lot of people seeming like well i don't want a dumb story i want something that has some meat to it and it's not necessarily a you want a truly simple story. It's simple concepts that are just written well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. 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 And, and, and those are the I best stories. Halo 5, again, I don't necessarily think the problem was 
it, this, the problem I think was execution, not the idea. Um, and, but it was, that was a big monster of a story. Uh, it, and I think it got away from them. It was too many irons in the fire and mm-hmm. things can get kind of hard to track. It's like, especially when you're playing it on a legendary and it's so hard to get through the level that when you're done with it, you're just kind of like, ah, and you're like, wait, no, what's this? It's another warden dude. I killed the last one. And there's another one. And it's just so hard to stay with it just because it's, it's so, so much of it is just so abstract and so far off. And, um, that's what I really got excited for Halo five was when hunt the truth came out. Because it was a much smaller, much more human story um, that and it just captivated you just because of the urgency in it and the, you know, kind of the more micro as as opposed to macro approach of it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you guys ready? You want to just roll into shout outs and then. Yeah. Because I know, I know, Justin, you said you needed to take off. Yeah, I got to bounce in sick. All right. Pins, what 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 final comments or shout-outs do you have for us? All right. Well, um, let me first start off by saying um, I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to get back on here and talk to you about it. I, I love having the chance to talk to Halo, talking Halo, um, and talking to you guys is always awesome. So uh, it's kind of a double thumbs up for me anyway mm-hmm. um so um i want to give a shout out to my spartan company um the, the halo fan for life group um bunch of really good guys and um they actually are having a land here in pittsburgh in august um he also um Sal, the guy in charge, was at RTX, um, and he's going to have a summary of everything up on his blog. So, um, you know, you can look it up for Halo Fan for Life. Uh, again, we're a good group of guys. I also want to give a big shout out to um, Podtacular. Uh, actually, if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have gotten involved in Halo as nearly as much as I had. Um, and then, again, Everyone here, everyone at Focus Fire, um, you guys are family, and uh, I'm just glad to be part of it. So, well, we're glad to have you. Uh, Green, what about you? What What do you have for us? I have two things. One is in chat. We're going through Eye of the Dragon, which is another Stephen King, but it's a shorter story, and because it's not a digital release yet. I'm kind of showing people the book in chat. So if you don't have it, it's okay. I'm just joining us in chat. <laughs> Second thing... If you don't have the book, don't worry. I got you covered. Uh-huh. Uh, second thing is, if you want to see how much work Pence has put into this, you should really go check out the blog the uh the summary for this episode because i actually used the summary for this episode as kind of an expansion of the episode because i know reading dates and reading the lines of it can kind of be
be hard to keep track of everything. So if you want to see the full summary um, of dates that he went through, as well as the incredible ex- amount of work that he's gone through with the Halo lore history, look at the new blog post on the Fire Chat website because it's going to be massive. And it's actually kind of fun to look at because I've been, I was reading along while Pins was reading through it. And I'm like, hey, this makes a lot more sense with something in front of me to watch. Of course, now everybody's getting this at the end of the podcast. So they've listened to the whole thing. <laughs> we should put a disclaimer at the beginning, Blue. Oh my gosh. I will hang on. Okay. Disclaimer at beginning. Got it. Okay. Because it would help. It helped me. End of story. Tag. <laughs> all right justin what about you yes yeah before i take the unsc walk of shame which is a real ship in halo lore by the way it's my favorite name of a ship so far um no uh just basically big shout out to pins for being here super bummed i wasn't at guardian con to uh to to be able to chill with you in person and green as well because i've met blue a couple of times now <laughs> I wanted yeah, i'm not i'm not important uh, <laughs> um but yeah and just a uh, quick side note the uh the gofundme for for my sister uh who, who lost her son in two days since i posted it, it's it's already up to about 1300 bucks so Everybody who has been sharing it and who's been donating um, uh, has has just been amazing. And I just want to thank everyone. And if you're if you're wondering what I'm talking about, just check my Twitter. Blue link it. Yep, we'll get it up there. But besides that, looking forward to another show pretty soon, right, Blue? Yeah, yeah. We got a double week to this week. So actually, I had a triple week this week. So. Um, what I had a, I had the podcast on Sunday, uh, barely a destiny show. You guys should definitely. Okay. okay so I, I don't have, no, I no, no, have no, no. Actually week. you okay. have four, okay. uh, you have a Friday, oh. Saturday and no, no. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to miss three of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well the next, the next topic emails, like I said, we, we try to do these on a monthly rotation. Um, the next topic is horizon zero dawn. Uh, please send in your emails on the thoughts of that one. I kind of have a good idea of the summary of the story, <gasps> but, um, not being a PlayStation person, I have no freaking clue what's going on so um, it's beautiful there's a lot of ai actually really cool yeah there's there's a lot of ai that try to eat people and yeah gods and ai um yeah ai yeah no 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 the ai gods i i'm i've I've got those i've got those down that actually kind of makes sense which is really scary um but and then a big shout out to pins not just for being an amazing guest co-host but for being infinitely patient with me this afternoon because <laughs> i put a new audio driver or audio card in my pc and as is you know normal for any upgrades hardware wise everything broke so um we had to kind of rebuild software and bypass certain but it, it was <laughs> it was a mess and pins was pins was a saint with his patience throughout that entire 
I, I was not a saint. There were words said. Um, the uh, I'm gonna I'm as gonna as long as the minion wasn't around, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was he was at his he was at his daycare school. Um, so we were we were safe. Um, I am going to be kind of trying to formalize the hundredth episode giveaway on tomorrow night's stream. Uh, so if you guys are listening to this, I probably would have already made that because we have to wait the 24 hours to post these. But for any of those in stream right now, please be sure to check out tomorrow night's stream uh, for the the normal Focus Fire chat episode. Uh, we will be kind of walking through. I don't I'm, I'm trying to f- finish up a few minor details on it, but um, I have it pretty much figured out. So we will be doing that um, more in detail on that one next or well, no, next episode tomorrow night. So you guys have a good one. I figure we'll run through the outro and anyone who wants to stay, we can stay for a bit of an after show. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Pins, for jumping into the chat. Really appreciate having you, and I'll be sure to get links to you in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes as well. Reminder that we do try to stream a recap of the month-long Extra Lore conversations in the first week of each month, but if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, at FocusFireChat. Also, be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. <laughs> <laughs>